21CL Radio. Hello, everybody. Michael Bull here. I'm the host of Education Vanguard. Great to have you around. Continuing our series today on the COVID-19 virus and how it impacts schools. Today, I've got David Loveland of Hong Kong International School. When you wake up in the morning and read in the newspaper that your international school will be closed, it can be a bit shocking. Dr. David Levin, the high school principal at Hong Kong International School, had that experience along with the added concern of how do we plan a program in a virtual school environment. Oh, and by the way, he was on vacation at the time. Our discussion ranges from day one to nine weeks later and what emerges as the most important things to focus on during these trying and interesting times. Enjoy the conversation. David Loveland, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's nice to have you here. It's nice to talk to somebody. I talked to uh, the head of school at uh, Hong Kong Academy, and they're a lot of weeks in. You're about nine weeks in, I understand. So it's nice to talk to somebody who's doing the virtual schooling, and they're nine weeks in. And I like to ask the question to start with. Let's go back to day one. You were told that you're going to do virtual schooling. You probably didn't know for how long. And you're like, great, we're just going to do this, this, and that. What was it like at that time? So we um, we were actually on Chinese New Year. And, and in Hong Kong, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon, I guess, is that we learn about um, the school shutdowns uh, via the newspaper, like everybody else. <clears throat> so there's no advanced heads up. Um, you know, And so and I've worked in schools all you know, mostly in the U.S. And, and, and in Asia in the last six years, where you'd get some sort of a heads up from the Education Bureau. Uh, but here you just get um, it comes out in the newspaper. And so, you know, I'm on uh, on uh, holiday with my family and and we see the news come across that we're going to be closed for two weeks. And um, so we immediately we immediately met and um, and knowing what was happening in China just across the border, uh, we our, our team, our leadership team, realized that it's most likely going to be longer than the two weeks. Sure. Um, and so, you know, we sat down and, and put a put a good plan together. And but I'll tell you what, the plan was based on the fact that we were forced into a school shutdown in the fall for protests. Ah, and, okay. So you had some experience. Yeah, and we kind of fumbled through that a little bit. You know, um, we uh, I read about it the same way. You know, so on a on a Saturday night, we got an email saying that you know Monday you're going to be closed for a week, and um, and mm-hmm. so. We, we did asynchronous learning at that point and and it was a struggle it was it was hard to realize you know what students were doing and not doing who was doing you know who was signing in who wasn't signing in and so from that day forward I asked uh, Brent Braco our associate principal to put together some uh, a team of teachers and um, and to kind of relook at that again and and if we're ever thrown into virtual learning you know what would we do differently? And so fortunately, we had that work that, that they'd been they'd been working on uh, a few months back. And so we pulled that out and and we're able to really flip the switch. So we asked I asked for a professional development day. Yeah, I'm uh, wondering, like, what did you learn then that helped you this time that you talked about in this professional development day? Yeah, you know, we, we decided to go with our regular bell schedule of our school and we were going to do synchronous okay. learning. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, classroom check-ins of a minimum of 10-minute Zoom call uh, attendance because we had about 40% of our students were all over the world. And so, um, but then we also recorded all of our Zoom sessions. And and so that if a student couldn't come on, if they're in the middle of the night, there wasn't an expectation for them to, to go on and do it, but that the course was there, that they could watch it and um, and then keep up with the class. Um, you know, we, we learned that we had, we had some gaps uh, within some of our Schoology pages. And so um, Brent, 
did a great job of and working with our heads of department of going through all those and making sure that that they're similar. You know, when you have a student who has eight classes and if if the materials are in all different places, it's it's a, it's a huge challenge, especially when you move to virtual learning. So when we, we talk about virtual learning, I'll, I'll read different things. And maybe sometimes I see this in the U.S. or in our, our home countries where like, look, you can't do as much stuff. Stop trying to. Right. But maybe we're uniquely situated in international schools because our kids are better off financially. They have laptops. We have Zoom and all that. Did you find or do you find you're able to continue with the same level of learning that you would have, you know, or close to it that we would have had during classes? Or has that changed? Tell us about that. I think it's a miss if we, and this is what we talked about with our faculty around, is that if you take your regular lesson and just make it virtual, um, you know, your regular maybe 20-minute, um, uh, you know, uh, instructional uh, conversation or, you know, or, or lecture, 20-minute lecture may feel like an hour and a half to a student through the through the computer screen. And so the engagement is, is a totally different animal to tackle um, in this in this environment. And so being thoughtful of, of breaking things up and, um, you know, getting students to get up and move around a little bit, um, you know, especially because we kept our bell schedule, it's a long day for a student, um, you know, but mm-hmm. then also, also working back into the, the idea that, um, you know, in a regular classroom, you have natural breaks. You have time where they're where they're transitioning into groups. You have time where uh, where maybe you're doing one-on-one meetings, and keep those in mind and keep those alive in these classes. You know, to do the virtual breakout rooms, um, to to have students sign off for the next half hour while they're reading or or doing something else, and then coming back on a little later. And so trying to be a little bit flexible um, with that, and especially we, after about the first two weeks, we started to to try to bring some of that flexibility into the classroom a little more. So out the gate, uh, so you have this plan now out the gate. Did you say this is what we're going to do or is this nine weeks of experience that you know, you're talking about now? Uh, out of the gate, we, we made the decision to do this. Okay. And you haven't changed it that much, you don't feel? No, but what we've done is, and I think what was a really um, great thing is that through our, our head of school and our, and our PR department, they, we put together a, um, a survey that went to students and parents um, from day one. And about every seven to 10 days, we were sending it out and getting real-time feedback. And we were adjusting our curriculum from that. And so challenges that students were having um, and then and then kind of creating policies and procedures and, and just expectations. And so kind of evolving that um, through the nine weeks with each one of these cycles has been really important. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say a, a, a miss that we had is that we didn't, we didn't survey teachers soon enough. We should have done that along. As far as what their experience of teaching is like and what they recommend. Yes. Yeah. We, we were talking to teachers through heads of department, Sure. but I think that, that our miss was, is that when we had that survey going, we should have been doing um, a faculty survey at the same time. So you get this feedback both from students and parents, uh, teachers, anything that surprised you that stands out in one of those three or all those three. You're like, Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Now I have some more empathy perhaps about it. Sure. You know, I think in in the first the first iteration was we're doing okay. You know, and and that was kind of the the baseline, right? That everybody was managing it and doing all right with it, so that was really good. The second one was that it's a long time in front of the computer each day. I appreciate the um, you know, how how we're we're maintaining the integrity of our program, but it's hard. The third iteration, there was there was a it was clear that our students were sad. You know, there was a grief. Mm, part. Right. 
within this. And and so with with each one of those, it shifted our conversation with our faculty. And as we looked at our classes um, and definitely, you know, one of the things that we noticed is that the curriculum was actually moving really quickly. Oh, and, interesting. And so and, and I think part of that is that we typically have a week off for interim, you know, where where students are gone for a week. That mm-hmm. was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, spring sports where kids are traveling Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Those were canceled. And so now all of a sudden you have all of your students every day without any interruptions. And so, um, you know, so, so, you know, we've had conversations around taking the foot off the gas a little bit, finding time for, um, for individual meetings with students, uh, individual projects, uh, independent work and, uh, and trying to, to adjust things a little bit more, especially now that there's a feeling that there's not going to be a problem with us moving through the curriculum by the end of the year. Uh, I see. So you don't feel that pressure so much. I'm wondering about like community, right? I mean, such a big part of school is the sports and the activities and hanging out with your friends and going to assemblies and all that. Can we replicate that in a virtual world? At least a little bit. Yeah. I think you first have to realize that, that nobody signed up for the environment we're in right now. Right. Teachers did not sign up to teach virtually and students did not sign up for, to, to learn, you know, online. And so, you know, when, when a student, uh, voluntarily signs up for an online course. It's it's to move through the curriculum. It's not to be a part of a school or a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And so we've that's been a big conversation for us of how do you how do you keep community together in this type of environment? Um, our student senate has done a, a great job of um, they just started putting out you know little Instagram challenges by grade level. Okay, cool. And, and that was really cool. And so they, they do weekly challenges right now and, and they're awesome. And our teachers are getting involved with them as well. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, trying to stay connected. We've worked so hard to build our community. And so trying to keep that connectivity is, is, is a real challenge, but, but these have been, you know, they've been good. You know, I'll tell you what, another thing was that our PE department, our PE department shifted, um, their curriculum. Okay. And, and, and they started creating um, individual workout videos that could be done at home with, okay. with their families, um, you know, created opportunities where if, if you went for a walk with your parents, um, you know, instead of worrying about all your, you know, trying to get your heart rate to a certain level or all these different things, it was more about right. get outside and, and go for a long walk and, and do that. And so all of a sudden there was promoting some really great just healthy activities to get kids out of their out of their their learning routine away from the computer um they've given uh different you know like movement breaks that they've given to to our teachers to to use during their classes and so they've they've really turned the corner of of being a big strong of of wellness um within this this environment i'm wondering about the teachers now that you brought up specifically the pe teachers like you know, they looked at studies, let's say, in the States, that shows like resilience and grit, it, not specifically during this time period, is, is, is are signs of a teacher that's going to be effective in the classroom more than, let's say, years of experience with old people like me. But it, when you look and you see the teachers that have been the most successful in this environment, whether that's elementary, middle school, or high, is there any certain characteristics that you see that we could learn from as teachers that we could say, gosh, I want to be more like that? I think it's the acceptance that this is awkward. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and those that have like, I, you know, I've been, I've talked with some veteran teachers that said, I feel like I'm a first year teacher again. And, and, and having that mindset of, okay, I, I need to upskill in some different areas. Um, you know, and, and teachers that they could walk into a classroom and they were on every day, they knew their curriculum, you know, in this environment, you don't have the same feedback from students. You know, the feeling of teaching is much different. And so the idea that, 
that were all new. And, and I think that what I've seen is that the teachers that have been most successful have been the ones that mm-hmm. have, have been okay with the awkwardness and, and the realization that, that this is hard for everybody and hard for them. What about the parent community? So I can imagine like elementary parents are probably just worried about how their kids are doing and if they're happy and engaged and middle school parents usually have given up. And then by high school, you know, they're, they're back like, oh my gosh, we have to get this kid into university. Are you getting pressure and has the parent reaction or expectations maybe changed from what it was in the beginning to what it is nine weeks later? Yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, you know, I, I would say the, the two biggest concerns were APs, um, the AP exams. And then the second was um, not understanding how um, curriculum standards work as a community. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the worry that my kid's not going to get credit because they're not in class. Right. So trying to reassure parents, um, you know, some of the things that we've done is that every couple of weeks we offer an open Zoom session for parents to just log in. Oh, okay. And we do one-on-one meetings with them mm-hmm. and try to address those questions. So, and, um, so having that access probably helps a lot. Yeah. And then I know what the problems are too. You know, we, uh, we've continued with our, my parent um, advisory group mm-hmm. and I've asked them to, you know, to go into the chat rooms and see what the big hot topics are and let's address them. Let's meet, let's find those things and let's address those things. Um, you know, and I, and what I've found more than anything else is just a misunderstanding of how the American style education works. Um, you know, because again, like, like your community, we're incredibly diverse, right? And mm-hmm. so um, we have many families that, that didn't grow up in a, in American system. And so, um, you know, the idea that, that, um, you know, the, the end of the year tests, um, you know, the comprehensive exams, uh, we don't have those there. It's very different. And so because kids weren't coming to class, there was a worry that they weren't going to get credit for the year, you know? And so I think that the biggest thing we've had to do is just do some education around what our system really is and, and that it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. and when you're talking about the, the advanced placement, this, I mean, the AP is set up for <laughs> virtual learning. Okay. And, and AP tests are continuing unlike I, unlike IB? They, they are. They are. Yeah, okay. They, now there, there's a challenge there because currently the, the college board has, has made it one testing time for everybody. Okay. And so I mean, kids <laughs> like have to in the test morning. midnight, 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Well, actually for a teenager, that's perfect. It's the kids who have to do it at <laughs> seven in the morning that suffer probably. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So that's a little bit of a challenge. Um, and, and I also think that, you know, there's a, I appreciate that some people think that, you know, we have huge pull in, in the world of everything, you know, yeah, yeah, and this yeah. was announced saying, well, well, can't you just call them and tell them this isn't acceptable? And, and I'm like, we, of course we will, but, um, it's a, it's a, we're part of a, a large, um, you know, group. So it's not just, you know, right. their calls just based on us. Oh boy. So you've probably gotten uh, over the last few weeks some phone calls from people who were just entering into this virtual school phase and maybe had some discussions and chats and things like that. And at the end of that, you know, when you hang up that phone or close that Zoom meeting or whatever, uh, what do you hope that they took away from it? Like what are the two or three things or whatever that you hope they remember? Like, oh, gosh, I hope I emphasize this. I think I think there's a there's a few. One is <clears throat> is that assume it's longer than it's than than you think. Okay. And, um, and I think that that's looking back at some of the communication that's even coming out of some schools in the U S um, that a couple of parents have shared with me saying, you know, can you send this kind of a message out to our kids, you know, a message of saying, no matter what, we'll have graduation, no matter what we're going to have prom. And that's not, that may not be the reality. And so to be, to understand that this, this could be a long-term situation. And so really start to look out. Um, today I'm meeting with my team 
and we're looking at what does the what does the fall look like, you know, and um, you know when we come back to school and and how do we finish out the year and try to wrap things up and honor um, you know the students that have done great work for our school and so so I think that thinking about that big picture and long term planning is is really important. Um, I think to to understand that when you have teachers that have kids at home that they're also being a parent, so they're they're teaching uh-huh. and both your kids and their own kids and that that's incredibly hard and so yeah, whose idea I, was that i know it's, <laughs> it's so hard it's so hard and and so you know being aware of the the wellness of of your faculty uh, and where they are and how they're managing is critical uh you know in the in the very beginning i had a parent come to me and say oh it must be so great the amount of time that you guys have now and, and I, it's, it's actually the opposite we're working 24 hours a day trying to figure out how to make all this stuff work and we have we have families all over the world so we're still trying to stay connected in in regular time with them you know and so so there's some real challenges there and so i think that those are those are important pieces that, that keeping the idea of, of the the health and wellness of your fa- of your faculty and then the last piece is, is that that you can't expect parents to be the teacher and um, that they're, you know, parents are trying to figure out how to do virtual work at times um, along with this environment as well. And so it's, it's, it's a really complex um, and challenging situation we're in. Yeah, if we could just get the responsibility to somebody else, whoever that might be, they'd make it a lot easier, right? <laughs> so as, right. as we come to a close here, I, I, I like to ask, uh, uh, you know, we're going to go back to school, hopefully, let's say in, in August. And yeah. everything's going to be somewhat normal. And you mentioned, and other people have too, how there's these teachers who feel like, my gosh, I'm in my first year teaching again. So there's a lot of learning going on in, in how to educate kids nowadays. What do you hope some of the positive takeaways that we'll see in the classroom come come August? I think that um, just some of the skill levels of, of using in virtual learning, you know, some of the check-ins that, that our teachers have become really great at, um, you know, one of the things we've talked about is that it would be a, it would be a tragedy to not learn from this experience moving forward and, and, and adjust the way that we're going to move forward as a school. But I'll tell you, in the fall, I think that um, I think the most important thing when we do come back together is to put this, the school goals aside for a minute and just reconnect as your community, uh-huh. bring people together. Um, there's going to be a sense of grief in this situation. And mm-hmm. You know, and, and and it's real. And so to to really take time and heal your community, and then go back to the school goals and all all the academic, um, you know, all the all the work that you're going to do within instruction. But but in the beginning, it's really taking care of each other, and and it's going to be hard. And there's going to be a, a startup with all of that. David Loveland, thanks so much for your time today. It's been great uh, talking with you. I appreciate it. Good good to talk to you as well. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.